Welcome to the Capital Edge Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope that this inspires, challenges, and moves your heart for Christ. Let's get into the message. Fantastic. Great to see you in church. This is my first preach to uh, 200 for quite a while. So it's really good to see you, and it's good to see all the restrictions easing up little by little. And uh, so God is good. Amen. Uh, you would have heard on the church news there that this is uh, Pastor Gracie's uh, last week. And uh, so she is uh, gearing up to have her baby, which I guess means that I'm becoming a papa soon. How cool is that? <laughs> so, um, yes, but Kids Way continues. And uh, our great team of volunteers will be continuing that to the end of the year and uh, then into the new year but, but we are looking for a replacement for Grace while she's on maternity leave uh, and also Pastor Meg not too far away will be leaving for the same reason I guess that makes me a popper <laughs> so that's awesome and uh, Meg and Grace have both done great jobs with uh, their departments and uh, but we do have a replacement for Meg and uh, the replacement for Meg in our youth group is Hamish and so he'll be taking that on. That makes sense, doesn't it? So, fantastic. Also, while we're at it, we had a farewell this week for three of our staff members, Grace, Meg and Victoria Halliwell, who runs the office. Um, Victoria has just received the good news that uh, her midwifery is all finished and she is working at Canberra Hospital next year. So that's fantastic. Congratulations, Victoria. And so we are, that doesn't make me a popper, but we are also, <laughs> we are also looking for an office admin person. So lots of changes and we ask that you will keep in your prayers, the church at this time and the staffing in particular, that we get the right people for those positions. Um, we also, some people have been asking me about the Care Hub. Uh, the Care Hub's been a little bit slower in completion than at first we thought, but we're almost there. And so uh, what we're going to do in, a, in hopefully a few weeks' time is uh, after church, we'll get you to go around to the Care Hub and have a look through it. This week, we just got donated this beautiful double-door fridge uh, for, the, uh, for the Care Hub, and we're looking forward to getting that underway. So that's just some news for you. Uh, to uh, be aware of over the next few weeks. Well, we continue on this morning with our theme that wisdom really matters. And I thought Trish last week spoke a great foundational word on wisdom and she set it up for the month, which is fantastic. And so today I want to talk to you about building blocks of wisdom, building blocks of wisdom into our lives. And uh, it's just so happened that over the last few times I've preached that every time I've preached, it's, it's, got, it's gotten more info and more info. And so I think this is going to be a three-parter, like the last one was three parts as well, which means that you'll have to uh, log into Sticky Tickets all of those weeks to make sure that you don't miss it. Although we do have our online service as well, and I just want to thank all of you watching online for uh, doing so. So building blocks of wisdom. I remember my first sermon. I was 16 years of age and I was asked by a pastor in Perth, we lived in Perth at the time, a guy called John Friend, which I think is a great name for a pastor, John Friend. And he asked me to come out to his church, he had a church about 50, 60 people, and he asked me as a 16-year-old to preach 
at that church. At first I got it wrong because at first he said, come out and share for half an hour. And I thought it was singing because that's what I did and that's what I was known for back then. But no, he wanted me to preach. And so I thought, okay, well, I can do that. My dad's a pastor. I've seen it done. And uh, so I started writing some of that. He said, I want you to keep it to half an hour and, uh, and then do an altar call at the end. And that'll, that'll be fantastic. Whatever you want to preach on. So I chose the topic of holiness. To be holy, I, I just wanted to speak about that and I wrote down my notes and I did lots of uh, note-taking and prayer during the week and then it was my time on that Sunday to turn up and preach. So John Friend got up and introduced me to the church um, and uh, so I got up there and I started to preach and by about 12 minutes I was done totally done I'd covered everything twice because it was actually only six minutes but then it was falling so short that I thought gee I better repeat it all and uh and it just fell flat and and one of the most important things in a sermon is your conclusion is the way you wrap up so that you can challenge people um to something so I'd worked on this little story to just a real power punch story at the end just to challenge people's up I got it all mixed up and people had no idea what the point was um I had no idea what the point was by the time I'd finished and 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 I I just thought I better shut this down I better uh, finish this up so so to make matters worse I got to the end I'd finished my story and I told people well we're going to pray now so so please close your heads oh. <laughs> and uh and you know it's real hard to conduct an altar call when people are laughing <laughs> and uh no one responded because I guess they're full of the joy of the Lord um it was awful it was really bad and so when I look at Jesus' first sermon, I am profoundly impacted because his sermon was just so amazing. In fact, Jesus' first sermon, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' first sermon was just so profound that people today write books on just sections of that sermon. And so what I thought it would be really good today is to read some of Jesus' sermon to you and to take some points about wisdom from that. So what I want to do is I want, to, want you to turn to the conclusion of Jesus' first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapter 7. Now, if you were to follow this sermon through, and I encourage you to do so over the next few weeks to actually read it's three chapters Matthew 5 6 and 7 the Sermon on the Mount and uh, there's some incredible things in there so let me read to you from Matthew 7 verses 24 to 29 I'm sure you'll recognize the story but this is Jesus conclusion to the sermon this is his challenge to the people that are there he says this Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Now, I want you to remember something. This is his conclusion. And so he's saying, anyone who listens to my teaching, to listen to what I've just said, is going to be wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds on a sand. 
when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. So Jesus wraps up his message by saying, listen, listen to what I've, I, I've just taught you. Listen to the teachings. Follow the teachings that I have just shared with you. And if you do, it'll be like the wise man that builds his house on a firm foundation. Your life will be like a wise person who has the right kind of building blocks of wisdom in it. Now, I've heard people talk about all sorts of things when it comes to this story about the wise man who built his house upon a rock. I've heard people talk about it in terms of that God is our rock and God is our refuge. And that is a true principle. I've heard people say that, well, God is our rock and he is our refuge and the cornerstone of which we build is Jesus Christ. For he is the cornerstone that that links everything together. And again, absolutely right, absolutely true. That is a principle of God's word. But it's not the context of what Jesus is preaching about here. You see, what he's saying here is he's challenging his disciples. He's challenging the crowd. If you want to be wise like this man who builds on a firm foundation, listen and obey the teachings I've given you today. And it says that the crowd was amazed at his authority. Amazed at his authority. So Jesus' challenge here is that Wisdom can be found, it can be a sure bedrock for living if we obey what he has said. Now think about that. Think This is Jesus' first sermon. His first public sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And what does he do? He gives the building blocks of wisdom to people for their lives. And I think the fact that Jesus actually chooses this as his first public message means that we should pay due attention to it ourselves if we want to live a life of wisdom. I've discovered as I was looking through these chapters, Matthew 5, 6 and 7, I've discovered what I would call 12 building blocks of wisdom that I want to share with you over the next few weeks. And so let's look at those today. The first one is found in Matthew chapter 5. So if we turn to Matthew chapter 5, I'm doing it old school with a Bible today. He starts with a passage that we know of called the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. Let me read it to you. This is what Jesus taught them. God blesses those who realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is given to them. God blesses those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. God blesses those who are gentle and lowly, for the whole earth will belong to them. God blesses those who are hungry and thirsty for justice, for they will receive it in full. God blesses those who are merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they'll be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted because they live for God, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when you are mocked and persecuted and lied about because you are my followers. 
Be happy about it. <laughs> Did I read that? Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted too. So Jesus starts this message, this Sermon on the Mount, and his building block one, the first building block here is about living the blessed life. Living the blessed life. If you want to live a life of wisdom, this shows us discover God's blessing in your everyday experience, particularly where there's difficulty. Because you look at that, that's, that's what he's saying. He's saying that the, the blessing is not in riches, it's not in fame, it's not in achievement, but it's actually in the ordinary things. That his blessing is found in our need, in our sorrow, in our humility, in our hunger, in our acts of mercy, it says, in our integrity, in our desire for peace. Even when we are treated wrongly. If you want to live a life of wisdom, discover God's blessing in your everyday experience. You see, wisdom will look for blessing in whatever life throws at us. Do you know, I just want to remind you this morning that God is near and he is available in your darkest hour. That his presence can be abundantly more profound during the storm than in the calm. That the gentle whisper of his voice can be heard with resounding clarity through the pain. That though COVID exists, there is still much to rejoice in God about. <clears throat> you see, the problem is this. The problem is that we get so overwhelmed with the circumstances of our life that we don't search out his blessing in it. And I know I've been so guilty of that over the years. So guilty of just allowing the circumstances to influence me that I don't look for the blessing that is always there to be found. I've told this story before, but a couple of years ago, our family in two cars were driving to Adelaide for a wedding, a family wedding. And we got to Hay, which is the halfway point. We slept there in hotel rooms overnight and then we were leaving in the morning, going out on the main road and we were stopped by people that told us that the road was blocked off because there had been an accident and that there would most probably be a five-hour delay. But then he shared with me what was meant to be good news. And the good news was this. He said, but never mind, there is a detour that you can take. It just so happened that this detour was 360 kilometres more than what I had intended to travel. You see, I had it all mapped out. I knew exactly where I was going. It was scheduled. It was timed. It was how it should be. And i got to say, when I heard that I'd have to travel another 360 kilometres, I was vexed in my spirit. <laughs> I was very much, yea, verily, ticketh off. <clears throat> and here's the thing. If I hadn't become a Grinch in the next 360 kilometres, 
I might have just noticed that there were some blessings going on in my situation. For one, it wasn't my family involved in that accident. Another one was this, that the older you get, the more you realise that having your family all together in one place is an incredible blessing. If you're not too grumpy to appreciate it. After all, I was seeing a part of this beautiful country, Australia, that I'd never seen before. And there definitely was beauty in it. If... You weren't smouldering because your time schedule had been blown to pieces. You see, there's blessing. There's blessing in our ordinary circumstances. And wisdom says, look for God's blessing no matter what you're going through. No matter what you're going through. If you want wisdom in your life, search for his blessing. Now, it's going to take a while. As you can see, I'm clearly still learning this process. But rather jumping to the, this is not fair. This is wrecking my plans. This is not how it's supposed to be. I deserve better than this way of thinking. How about we just stop and we pause and we say, God, your blessing is to be found in this situation. So I'm going to quieten my soul. I'm going to quieten my spirit and I'm going to search for you. The first couple of times you do this, you might say it through gritted teeth. You may say it with a little bit of angst and a little bit of anger. But you just quieten your soul. Say, God, I'm going to learn something in this. No matter what the situation, I'm going, to, I'm going to see your blessing come through in this. And I'm going to testify of your blessing. No matter what. Habakkuk prayed this. Even though the fig tree does not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine, even though the olive uh, trees fail and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in the God of my salvation. For God, the Lord, is my strength. Almost lost my notes. He goes on and says, He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. What's he saying? He's saying everything in my world is failing, but I remain strong and steadfast. To God be the glory. There's the blessing. There's the blessing. Job prayed this, I go east, but he's not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. But he knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. Wow, I love that. I love Job's honesty. He says, he, he's saying here, sometimes it's difficult to see God in the situation. 
But nevertheless, he knows where I am and I'm going to come out the other side as refined gold. There's blessing to come out of the pain. So building block number one is about living the blessed life. If we want a life of wisdom, we need to search for his blessing in every situation. I just feel the Holy Spirit on my heart right now saying some of you are struggling to find the blessing in your situation. You've been going through this turmoil and you think, where is God in all this? Friends, let me challenge your heart today. There's blessing. Keep looking. You're going through a process that's refining you as gold. Keep pushing through and keep believing and keep searching for the blessing of God in your situation. Amen? Amen. Building block number two. Jesus has just shared about the blessed life. Building block number two is living the effective life. It's one thing to be blessed. We love being blessed, but we also have to be effective in our life. And so he starts talking about salt and light. Let's read in Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavour? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You see, if you want to live a life of wisdom, be effective by being salt and light in your world. Salt and light in your world. You see, a wise person will flavour every environment they're in with the love of Jesus. A wise person will shine the light of the gospel in a world of darkness. A wise person will be like a, a lighthouse that offers direction to people's lives. You see, a wise person doesn't live like a secret agent of Jesus. A secret disciple. No one knows until it's quietly whispered, I follow Jesus. That's not wise. Now, a wise person is known as having a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, one thing I've noticed about this world is that it doesn't pay too much attention to the religious. Well, certainly not in a positive way. It doesn't even pay that much attention if you go to church, you're a churchgoer. Well, that's good for you, that's fine, we're happy with that, that's fine, whatever, whatever floats your boat. But friends, someone who shines the light of the gospel and has godly wisdom, wisdom that comes out of a relationship with Jesus, they draw people like a moth to a flame. And let me challenge you today, how are you being salt in your place of influence? How are you being light in your world? When people see you, do they get a sense of Jesus in action? That's a challenge. 
You see, our effectiveness in life is not measured by material wealth or achievements or accolades that have come our way. It's measured by how we represent Jesus. C.T. Studd, missionary, he wrote these great words. My grandma used to say it to me all the time. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. See, salt's main use in the Bible, it wasn't for flavour. They had lots of other herbs and spices in Jesus' day that they used, so it wasn't primarily for flavour. Salt's main use in Bible days was to preserve. It was to stop food from going rotten. You see, we aren't here just to add a level of flavour to this world. We're not here just to spice up life for everybody. We are here to preserve by sprinkling the message of Jesus Christ wherever we go. Salvation through Jesus Christ is the only message that can sustain, preserve and satisfy. But as Paul says in the book of Romans, how can they call on him to save them unless... They believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? How will they know unless we are the salt? How will they see unless we are the light? And if we want to live in wisdom, we need to be the salt We need to be the light. We can't leave it to someone else. We can't make excuses like it's just not my ministry, it's not my thing, I'm not the evangelist, that that belongs to someone. We can't do that. Jesus said in this passage, he said, you are the salt. You are the light. There's no option here for those who follow Jesus Christ. He says we can live the blessed life, but we can live the effective life as well. Remember a couple of months ago, I spoke on the gathering and the scattering church, the blessing and the effectiveness of reaching out. So building block number two that Jesus shares in this his first sermon is about living The effective life, if we want to live a life of wisdom, be salt and be light to your world. The next building block. Jesus talks about blessing. He talks about being effective. The next one is living a disciplined life. If you want to live a life of wisdom, you need to be disciplined according to the grace that Jesus has given. And that's a powerful statement. A a lot of people do not understand the grace of Jesus Christ. It's so much more than just the forgiveness of sin. And we'll talk about that. You see, Jesus continues in this first sermon in Matthew 5, verses 17 to 48. We're not going to read that this morning, but Jesus continues by focusing on being a disciplined follower of God's commands. 
And there's one phrase, it's an interesting phrase that he uses right throughout this section of his sermon. In fact, he uses it six times. And it goes something like this. He says, you have heard the law of Moses say this. And then he explains what it says. And then he says says this. He says, but I say, but I say. And he says that six times. Now, it's important to understand something here that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law of the Old Testament. He came to fulfill it. And he says that straight away in verse 17. But... It would seem that Jesus' requirement is stronger than the original command. When you look at it, uh, let's have a look at some examples. He says, the law says don't murder, but I say don't even be angry. The law says don't commit adultery, but I say if you're looking with lust, it's the same thing. He says, "The, the law says... You can divorce with the right paperwork, but I say don't unless there's unfaithfulness involved. The law says don't break vows, but I say don't even make them if you're going to break them. The law says eye for an eye, but he says don't be vengeful. The law says love your neighbour, which is great. That's, that's, That's a command of God, but I say love your enemies as well. If we couldn't cope under the law, <laughs> and the law was there to show just that, that we couldn't, we couldn't do it no matter how hard we tried. If we couldn't cope under the law, <laughs> how on earth are we going to cope under the grace in keeping these commands? It's why I don't understand people who dismiss the law because we're now under grace. Because they say grace covers our sin. Basically, we can live how we want because we're now under grace. They are totally misunderstanding what this is all about. Grace actually requires more of us. (laughs) It requires more of us. Jesus makes that clear. So how how do we meet the requirements of grace then and this is the exciting part this is the awesome thing you see Jesus grace was not just given to forgive our sins we love that acronym God's riches at Christ's expense grace and we glory in that we say hallelujah thank you Jesus for that but that's not the only reason his grace was given his grace was also given to enable us to live this godly life you see grace is not an excuse it's an enablement I was trying to come up with a picture of what that could look like and it's like the guy who's who's teeing off, for those of you who are golfers, I'm not. But you tee off and the, and the, and the, the hole is, is the green, the hole, yeah, it's down the other end about 300 yards away. And so you've got to get a hole in one. And you think, man, I'm never going to do that. I'm going to try all I want, but it's just not going to happen. But then grace comes along and picks up the ball and says, come with me. And takes you right down. And there's a hole there. And puts the ball right next to the hole and say, okay, do a hole in one now. You see, it's enabling. 
It's an enabling. We can live beyond, not in our own strength, but because of his enabling through the grace of Jesus Christ. Woohoo! But not only that, not only has he given us his enabling grace, but he also prayed, God, Father God, send your Holy Spirit. So not only are we enabled by his grace, but we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the double whammo. That's the theological term, double whammo. For what God has given us. We can live the disciplined life, a life of wisdom, not by our own efforts, but by being enabled by his grace and empowered by his spirit. So we can actually pray this kind of prayer. God, I can't do this on my own. I'm too weak. But in my weakness, you're made strong. And Lord, this is too much for me. I, in the natural, I just can't do this. But your grace is sufficient for me. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you come and you empower me to live in the overcoming power in this life. So building block number three. It's about living the disciplined life. If we want to live a life of wisdom, be enabled by his grace and empowered by his spirit. The last one today is this. Building block number four. Jesus continues on and he talks about living the humble life. The humble life, humility. In Matthew 6, 1 to 4, he, he talks about giving to the needy. But if you read that little passage there in those four verses, it's not actually generosity that he's referring to. He's talking about a certain way of giving that requires humility. It's giving in such a way that no one knows. It talks about giving in secret. It says they're not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. A lot like a lot of our drummers play. <laughs> joke, joke, joke. We love our drummers. You see, if you want to live a life of wisdom, don't look for the accolades. But be humble. Be humble. It's a lesson that we will constantly learn throughout our life. I remember back in the day, I wrote all these incredible resources. Well, I thought they were incredible. I wrote these resources that could be used in churches. And we held a conference at our church that I was involved in. And this person got up and held up these wonderful resources that I had written and claimed them for himself. I put these together. I could have got angry, and I've got to admit I did initially. But sometimes God will test you in these sorts of areas so that you remain humble. Are we prepared to go throughout life unnoticed so we gain heaven's reward? Wow. Are we prepared to be the servant so that we can become the greatest of all in the kingdom? You see, humility brings its own reward that surpasses the earthly. 
1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves under God and in due time, he will honour you. I believe this next statement is so vitally important in our understanding. God will sometimes test us as to whether we are willing to forego the accolades of man so that we can receive the approvals of God. I want to encourage you this morning. Remain humble. But it goes with this. What we do for the Lord in secret what we do for the Lord behind the scenes that nobody knows about, it is never, never in vain. Never in vain. I know some people, many people at Capital Edge, and you do amazing things behind the scenes, and a lot of those things you don't get the accolades you deserve. But let me tell you, friends, if it's for the Lord, it's never, ever, ever in vain. I want to thank you for doing those things in secret, those things that aren't seen for the Lord. Because great is your reward. You know what? With that comes incredible wisdom. The building blocks of wisdom. Search for his blessing in every situation. Be the salt and the light in your world. Be enabled by grace and empowered by the Spirit. And be humble. Be humble. The first four building blocks of wisdom in this incredible message. And we will continue next time. Let's close our eyes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to pray for a couple of things this morning and we're wrapping up. The first is this. I mentioned it early on. Those who need to find God's blessing in the situation you're facing. Can I pray for you this morning? If that's you saying it's just been so hard. Can I ask you to just stand to your feet? And as a congregation, we're going to pray for you. And pray that God's blessing will be revealed in that circumstance. Why don't you stand to your feet? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The other thing I want to pray for this morning is this. I feel that there are people that have been challenged once again this morning to be salt and light in your world. Can I ask you too to stand to your feet? And respond to that challenge. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Awesome, God. Awesome, God. Awesome, God. Lord, I thank you for the wonderful people of Capital Edge Church. I pray firstly, Lord, for those who have been going through tough circumstances and 
It's been really hard to find your blessing. But I pray even now, as they have responded in faith this morning, say, yeah, that's me. Lord, that by your spirit, you'll reveal your blessing. You'll reveal your blessing. That you'll reveal what you're doing in that situation. Lord, that as they draw nearer to you, you draw nearer to them, they will see your incredible blessing in spite of what's going on. And Lord, I pray for those who've been challenged this morning to be salt and be light. I pray you will give them divine opportunity to be able to speak into people's lives, to be able to share in a very real way their faith in Jesus and be able to bring people to church, be able to lead people to you, that people will see Jesus in action in their lives and they'll want to know more. So Lord, just bless them, I pray, and give them those divine opportunities. May they recognize them because sometimes we get so busy, we don't see it. May they see the divine opportunity and respond and see wonderful things happen for the kingdom of God in people's lives. We ask this in your precious, precious name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming out to our 10 a.m. service. We do have our 6 p.m. tonight. And we encourage you, if you know people that couldn't get in this morning, Give them a call. Say there's still opportunities, plenty of spaces for the PM service for them to come out. As uh, the announcement said earlier on, it's not, we're wrapped up by 7.15, home by 7.30. If you've got little ones, we've got families that come out in the evening because it's not too late and they get the kids home ready for school the next day. So God bless you. We love you and we will see you next Sunday. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Capital Edge podcast. If this ministry has impacted your life or you've made a decision for Christ today, we would love to hear about it. Please get in contact with us on our social media accounts. God bless you, church. We'll see you next week.